This week's episode is brought to you by Fun Facts. Fun fact, did you know the Avs have only scored three or more four times in 23 games since Christmas? Fun fact, almost never that fun at all. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Hi there. Right. And that makes the other Ryan Murphy. Usually. Not always. <laughs> Colorado's relentless spring schedule continued on Tuesday with a remarkably uninteresting 3-2 loss to the New Jersey Devils. Mark Barbario and Mikhail Gorenko scored for the Avalanche in this one. Jeremy Smith made his NHL debut, and he was good. He made 37 saves on 40 shots. Not enough, though, somehow. Look. Okay, when, when your third-string goalie throws up a 925 save percentage, you have to win that game. You, you just have to. It's like, it's like up, a rule, isn't it? It's like you called <laughs> up a rookie pitcher, and he throws a complete nine-inning game, and you lose one to nothing. Help a brother out. Yeah, I, I thought the first period of that game was just like, I, I, you know, you're, you're wondering what everyone's thinking. You know, here you are, a guy's making his NHL debut, and you're just doing nothing in front of him. Very frustrating. Then on Thursday, the Avs traveled to Buffalo and embarrassed themselves on national TV, 2-0 to the Sabres, only managing to put 23 shots on goal in the contest despite trailing for two-thirds of it. Uh, Robin Leonard, the Sabres goalie, had this to say in the official NHL.com postgame. I kind of started getting bored there in the second little bit, but it was very nice to see. It's nice to see we had three or four guys in the middle of the whole second period. We were dumping pucks when we didn't have anything. We did a whole lot of things right today. When we play better teams, it's obviously going to be a little different, but the same <laughs> principles, and that's what we got to do. <laughs> Ouch. Got it. Sounds like they're just doing a little warm-up in the AHL or something, right? So like an that, exhibition. Yeah, with that for locker room material, Colorado turned around and played the Carolina Hurricanes the next day, giving Pickard two straight starts, and somehow they won, 2-1 in overtime. Tyson Berry with a nice goal in the first, and Miko Rantanen with your game winner, his 12th of the season. Carolina's only goal was just a laugher that tipped off Sidorov's stick and fooled Pickard from almost no angle. So the Avs are back home on Sunday versus the Lightning, but it was too late to make it into this show. Um, so that road trip was a disaster, but at least it had a happy ending. Any takeaways? Um, I need, like, one win a week, I think, just to keep me sane. So I appreciate having the one win. Thank you, Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Lost five straight. Mm-hmm. Ain't no thanks. Just got to dangle a little carrot at me every once in a while. Just a little one, you know? Not a big carrot. Just enough. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought they, they played actually a pretty good game after sort of a poor first ten minutes. So, yay that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like the entire season, they weren't getting rewarded for good play, but uh, it didn't look good. I mean, it looked cohesive and... Uh, looked like it had some immediacy that you don't see in every Avalanche game, so I could appreciate that. And you know something that that we didn't see that we usually see a lot of is a lot of odd man rushes against. Right. No big mistakes. 
And Curiously, there was a common defenseman who didn't play in this game, and that was... The Beef. Patrick. Yeah, I was going to say, coincidentally, this was Cody Golibeff's first night off in a while, and the defense actually looked okay at times. <laughs> I mean, which is a big improvement over what it usually is, which is not okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyson Berry also was Tyson Berry of old in this game, and that's even besides the goal. Uh, Tyson Berry was pushing play like he has not in months yeah, I mean, this is the first time since he's been injured that he actually looks like a, an NHL player. Um, right. And, you know, I, I said this today, it's not going to change anyone's mind who doesn't like Barry, but when you have a guy like that that can play like that, and, and let's say he can do that, you know, three out of five games as a rule, uh, that's that's someone you want on your team. Yeah, that goalie yeah, cracked me up. Yeah. Because he makes us this little subtle move, and there's someone in front of Cam Ward, so he can't really see him make it. And as soon as he bites on it, you can just see the no. <laughs> like he knew he was owned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tyson Berry can skate into wide open space like that and get a puck. Uh, when he's moving towards the goal, he has a much more dangerous shot than he does when he's moving horizontally side to side. Or static, uh, yeah. I mean... Um, that, that's, that, that is the way that he was the most effective back a few years ago when the abs mm -hmm. were, you know, competitive and all that. Right. If he were a basketball player, he, you know, wouldn't be a catch and shoot guy, you know, but he'd be pretty good off the dribble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well put. That's true though. Um, you know, there's so much that the abs can do in transition and it's, you know, it's probably their strongest offensive um, weapon is mm -hmm. being able to use. I mean, you, you know, you see Mac bust through two defensemen all the time, you know, Duchesne and, going on the outside, you know, all the, the really dangerous chances you're seeing lately uh, start with a good transition. And then, you know, even if it ends up being a static offense after that, you know, you've got that urgency because of the nice transition. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is another uh, case of Jerome McGinley kind of pinching up a little bit and <laughs> getting a head start on the play, and that's kind of why he was able to uh, catch and receive the puck ahead of everybody. But yeah, I almost forgot it. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at you know shot data from this game, and Tyson Berry had 20 shots for you know five on five while on the ice. I mean, that is Tyson Berry hockey, high event hockey. How many against? 21, but. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so it's still positive. <laughs> so he's on the ice for 40 shots total either way. In how many minutes? <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't have that up yet. I think total he was around 25. Of course, that's we don't know how much of that's five on five off the top for Hezzy. I'll look this up while you guys continue to hype Tyson Berry up. Yeah, yeah it's pumped him it makes you wonder like what his injury was and you know how it's all of a sudden seems to be non-existent where it definitely seemed to be a problem for the last week and a half but, but uh, from the only thing i've heard and i forget where i saw it it was a hip injury which by hip i mean you know hip flexor i'm sure right and you know that's that just that probably takes 50 percent off your speed and agility when you're skating so the fact that he's finally able to to skate a little bit 
you know, allows him to, to be that creative guy. Um, yeah, he wasn't an ambi-turner for a little while. He only uh, <laughs> go one direction. <laughs> uh, Looks like he had uh, 24 minutes, 58 seconds total, and 239 of that was on the power play. So, I mean, that's a pretty decent game for Tyson Berry. Yeah. That was uh, second on the team. And I, yeah. I don't find all the shots against either because I, I think when you're able to do something like have a you know have have a, a couple of pairs that, that go low event for a while and then you throw Barry and someone out there and you go high event for a little while, it's a nice change up and it just you know it, it just makes the opponent have to think about something different. Mm-hmm. The apps are just so predictable when they don't play differently shift to shift that, that it's just you know, it's so easy to defend. Well, plus the avalanche forwards need some help getting the puck up ice sometime. And if you have a player like Tyson Berry, they can almost single-handedly take it from the defensive zone to the offensive zone with either a skating ability or one great pass. Uh, there are not one but two lines on the avalanche that need that any given time. And that is where the avalanche really are missing Eric Johnson. Um, this is a guy yes. who consistently will carry it end to end just because he feels like it and that really has shown up in their offensive production if you look at like their you know ability to score three goals in a, in a game like I started off the show with in October they scored three or more goals one two three four times in two weeks mm-hmm. in two weeks yeah. oh, God. Then, in November, they scored three or more goals, one, two, three, four, five times, six times. <laughs> In December, they scored three or more goals, one, two, three, four times. You see it starting to fade away a little bit there. There's a fifth one mm-hmm. at the very end of the month against Calgary. January, once. Once. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to... I mean, it's easy to forget how we almost kind of like this team in October and November. You know, we, <laughs> thought, we, we thought they're having some bad puck luck and, you know, the BDO would, you know, average out eventually. <laughs> Never did we think it would get worse. Well, yeah, I, I remember thinking back then that, you know, under a new coach, under a totally different system that, you know, plotting along at 500, which is basically what they were until right before EJ got injured. Mm-hmm. They were going to do that probably until maybe the all-star break. And then from there, they could probably build on that. You know, boy, was that optimistic. <laughs> uh, but eh, wasn't uncommon. But yeah, I mean, you know, EJ's been a half, a half point a game guy this year. So... Um, that's that's missing a lot, especially when you consider what he probably prevents at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a high event guy too, but he's definitely the heart and soul of that blue line, and definitely the one guy on your team you want playing more than twenty five minutes. Yep. And it's forced everybody else to play a role that they're either not ready for or way beyond being ready for anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're still giving Francois Boschman 26 minutes in that Carolina game. And, you know, it, it worked, but it's not ideal. So um, you remember when Eric Johnson was going to be out for like a month and a half and return somewhere in January? Mm-hmm. What happened to that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
apparently his bones he's not drinking his milk it's not doing him a body good or what yeah. i mean he's skating around but it's taken a little while yeah i mean maybe sure. there's a conditioning element that's missing here or i i don't know I, I think that six to eight sounded optimistic and i i think even maybe a few weeks into that jared bednar said something like well it's probably more like 10 to 12 which sounds a little bit more realistic Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's about what we're looking. At. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna play in a game before uh, the the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be some uh, room that needs to be made on the roster anyway. So, yeah, you know, I mean, they they got to get rid of some guys. I mean, the the Jelena experiment down in San Antonio is is going very poorly. I'd hate <laughs> to see another guy down there. You're gonna yeah. have to. Unless to trade I mean, somebody. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they got to trade some guys. I don't care if it's for like a, you know, 2074 sixth. Right. For better Tootin. Or anybody. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they can get rid of, you know, anyone besides maybe three guys. And Francois Boschman for an all-you-can-eat meal ticket. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Tootin should be able to get something, you know. That's something on on the actual day of the deadline that someone's going to be like, ah, screw it. You know, it's like, I don't care if he's our eighth defenseman and plays 10 minutes between now and the end of the season. You know, expiring contracts, you know, very minimal, you know, cap repercussions. And the Avalanche would probably gladly eat contracts. So, well, it depends. I mean, I I think we're hoping that I I think Iggy's a definite eat. So that's that, that would be our second. Mm-hmm. We'd have one more after that, which I'd hope we'd use on Bosch if the opportunity presents itself. But if you know, if you haven't used it by then, you know, you can take a million off of Tutin's salary and, and get rid of him pretty easily. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. there I are mean, other, there's going to be good teams that are looking for seven and eight defensemen, you know, and right. don't trust their prospects or don't want to be shooting them up and down the from the AHL, you know, during their competitive season here. They look at their blue line core and they go, man, if we go into the playoffs and take a guy to injury, we do not have another sixth guy. Mm -hmm. Well, plus, you can only make four moves after the deadline. So, That's right. You've got that to consider. And that that applies to the Avs anyway. But, I mean, what you can do, though, there's there's no roster limit after the trade deadline. You can have 40 guys up there if you want. Mm. Um. But you really can't because at the deadline you have to have twenty three, and you can only call up four after that. So really, like twenty seven plus whatever, whoever might be injured and coming off IR in that time is the most you can have. Plus, you can. What keep did you making trades if you want after the trade deadline? You just can't play them in the playoffs. <laughs> which uh, which isn't a concern. <laughs> Not for our team. <laughs> What did you guys think about the uh, 38 scouts that were at the uh, Colorado Buffalo game the other night? Uh, I'll, I'll shut up. Y'all know how I feel about those lists. Yeah, they are funny. I, I think it's really close to where they all live, and it's two teams that are probably selling. So it's better than watching the game on TV. <laughs> Is that where scouts live in uh, northern New York? No, it's really close to Toronto, and that's where they all live. Yeah, that's right. That's not a bad yeah, I, take. I uh, I don't know. I, I suspect that a lot of these teams that think they have a shot at players like Glandiscog and Duchesne 
are probably going to be uh, <laughs> pleasantly surprised when they end up with Fetter Tootin, you know, on their <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't forget, I mean, Buffalo has guys they want to get rid of too. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's two teams full of tempting players, mm-hmm. whether they're rentals or maybe even longer term guys. <clears throat> so, you know, if you were going to scout a game, that that would be an easy one that you'd want to show up for. Mm-hmm. Pulling double duty. I'm not sure the Avalanche looked bad on defense in that game. So, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for doing your part. Hope you get traded. <laughs> uh, speaking of guys getting traded, and we'll 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 talk a, a little bit more at length about who we would like to definitely go all around. Um, so it's it's not been a bad couple of weeks for Jerome McGinley. It's been okay. It's been he's, less than atrocious. Yeah, yeah. He's the, the effort's been there a little bit more often than usual. <laughs> See the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh. He's produced a little bit. He's I, he's got like what is it, sixteen points in fifty-two games on the year, and he's had four of them in the last nine or ten games. Yeah, twenty-five percent of it, right? Yeah, he's still standing around the D zone though, and you can't hide that. Yeah, well, you know, it's he's a relative not, expectation. He's, he's not there to play defense. He's there to yeah. take power play slap shots that get saved. I mean, I mean, be awesome on offense. Right. You well, I mean, want, he, you want he's actually, he, he's not winning puck battles in the D zone, but he's actually, he's battling in the corners in the offensive zone. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's definitely anywhere from the red line forward. He's actually been putting in the effort. Yep. That That's, you know, that, that kind of play is what someone would want to acquire him for. So, you know, you know that, John Mitchell had a pretty effective week too on that line. And again, that's relative. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, had a goal this week, didn't he? Or no, my was that the uh, Sunday game? That was against the uh, Rangers. Yeah, it was. That was when he I, had I, that I, kind of goofy little floater with Aginla up in the crease, mm-hmm. doing I, veteran I think things. Someone acquires. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, doing veteran things. I was done. Um, I think if someone is looking to acquire John Mitchell, they're looking at, you know, veteran guy, still skates okay, and can win a face-off. And the points, you know, his points on the abs obviously are are awful. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're looking at it like, oh, maybe he can chip in with 10 goals or something like that. I mean, you know, you're you're wanting him for, you know, replacing Ben Smith on – on Toronto's roster, let's say, not that I think that they will do that, but yeah, you know, that's not happening. Right. No chance. Yeah, that <laughs> that kind of upgrade. Like if you've got a guy that's, you know, AHL quality on your fourth line as your center, maybe, you know, maybe having John Mitchell might be a little bit better. Yeah, how many teams do you think uh, would be interested in such a proposition? I mean, well, at least gotta one. be a couple. At least one. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I mean, well, if if you see John Mitchell in your near future, you you probably also see electroshock in your near future because you might need your brain reset. <laughs> he, he got an assist on the Tyson Berry goal against Carolina. It was his first, first of assist of the year. Oh, God, I forgot about that. 
So he got the one goal over with. Now he got the first assist over with. Mm-hmm. Yep. He so still turns so the ass goalies and assists, though. But he is ahead of them in points total. So <laughs> the floodgates are about to open. Come pick him up for a 2019 yep. conditional seventh. Yep. yep. <laughs> Things are looking up. <laughs> yeah. Now he's. I mean, I, I would say conditional pick would be, you know, probably the best you could hope for there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fine. Again, you know, he's he's just clogging up the roster right now. Yep. And that condition wouldn't even be very uh, strenuous. I mean, if he, you know, ends up playing 12 games or <laughs> something, I mean, I don't know. If you make a playoff roster, I think you get a six-rounder. How about that? If you, if they make it to the conference finals, it becomes a fifth. If they there win two Stanley Cups, it becomes a second. <laughs> <laughs> if he's the MVP, man, give me the unprotected first-rounder. It becomes a first. <laughs> there's your conditions have that i love conditions i i generally get like all grumpy and about trade deadline and trade rumors and swapping ahl pieces around and please take our junk for your star but conditions <laughs> on trades are one of my favorite things yeah <laughs> they are amazing it's always something dumb like if you play two games in the conference final, then it will become the next round pick, but it'll be a year later. Like, all right. <laughs> Where does that come into the negotiations? Mm-hmm. I, I, they, they might have the same attitude you do and just put that kind of stuff in there for fun, too. I would. If I was a team, I'd be like, all right, um, yeah, you can have that fifth, but it's going to turn into a fourth if this happens. Yeah, let's mess with Bob and LeBron on this one. Let's make it really wonky. <laughs> if he comes into you think- camp next year three pounds underweight, then it becomes a seventh. <laughs> Do you think somewhere in the annals of NHL hockey that someone's forgotten about a condition and just forgotten to, you know, recuperate, recoup it? Like we did with Freddie Hamilton? Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're going to have to tell us a story here because I don't remember this. We traded him for a conditional seventh, but we never found out what the conditions were. I, you know, I assume they weren't meant, but maybe they just forgot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I prefer thinking they were just forgotten. Oops, too late. It was a trade. Never mind. Considerations. Yeah. Yeah. If we remember to consider it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone did a future considerations trade the other day. Yeah. What was so- that? Is it the, the Flames and the Islanders? Something like that. I don't remember. Mm. I wonder if TSN has their trade tracker up yet. They probably do. If sure they, they do, do. It, it'll be on there. Well, the, the one, the, the, the guy the Flames got, and I, I can't believe I can't remember this, but it, he, he that was actually a signing of a guy who was on someone's AHL team. Right, and I think he was assigned to the AHL team, too, if I remember correctly. No, I think it was an AHL contract. Right. That was Bartkowski. That's who it was. Um, Countdown to Trade Center. Not even the trade deadline. Trade Center. Get out of here. TRE. There have been a couple of those veteran AHL contract signings that have turned into... um, you know, real live NHL deals. Here's the trade list. Okay. Um, 
future considerations was Ottawa. Um, I st- still can't tell which which is giving and which is getting here. I think it, I think it's who gets. Okay, Ottawa gets Mark Hagel from Minnesota for future considerations. He's an AHLer. I don't know if he's ever even played the NHL. Maybe he'd like to one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think I Mark see nothing Hagel but upside in this trade. <laughs> but hey, we started to see a couple of deals this week. We saw Tom Gilbert um, go to Washington for a conditional fifth from L.A. We saw Sergei Kalinin go to Toronto for Victor Louvre from the Devils. Things are starting to happen. Oh, yeah. It's They're big. Real, real big deals here. Uh, of course, we heard, we heard Sackick uh, tell some media over over the weekend or over the week that he's not looking to make a big deal. That if if one should arise and you can't say no, that obviously he's going to do it. But he's not out there trying to make a big splash. Right, he's not trying to give away his top players necessarily. You got to wow him. And then again, Dater was on um, serious ra- uh, NHL radio yesterday, and he said he's. He's pretty sure that, that Joe's going to trade Duchesne or Landy before the deadline. Hmm. They're saying the same thing on BSN's podcast every day. <laughs> yeah, somebody's talking. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see a willing GM at this point. I think uh, this week Carolina's general managers kind of gotten very reticent over trading their defensive glut. Uh, Boston and Montreal also seem extremely hesitant. I think that I think there's a couple things going on here. I think they're playing chicken and they don't, you know, they, they don't want to pay too much. So they're, they're trying to not act interested. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, since there's a couple teams involved, they don't want to sound too interested in case they don't get them and look, you know, make them look like idiots, <laughs> make them look like yeah. they lost out. So, I mean, we're yeah. still 10 days out and that's an eternity in trade speculation. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, what Duchesne did in overtime last night, and actually the whole game he played fantastic. Really, really was. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how Ron Francis can watch that and say, like, nah, we don't need that guy. I mean, look, we scored one goal tonight. That's plenty. He's probably the second best forward on the ice, only to <laughs> Miko Rantanen, who was playing in his wing. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Duchesne was great. Yeah, Miko Duchesne- was 23 shots forward, eight shots allowed. I mean, give me a yeah. break, man. Plus 15. It's insane. It is insane. He led in ice time and set up the winning goal. You know, I don't think he could have had a better audition. But I mean, if the rumor continues to be that Carolina just doesn't want to let go of any of their players who have value, then that deal's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're Carolina, wouldn't you have to say that just in case you don't trade it, trade any of them? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, just as much of a PR game at this point as exactly. anything. I mean, I, everything that I hear in the media, I mean, you see fans like, oh, man, Carolina is never going to trade any of, any of their good deeds to us. And, you know, Boston doesn't want to trade this and that. And I'm just like, it's all spin. Nobody's going to uh-huh. say what they really think right now. Why would you? No, it's yeah. all anchoring. Um, as, as we hear about what different deals are or what what different teams want for different players it's important to remember the concept of anchoring which is that whatever you start the negotiation regardless of how ridiculous that request is 
that's the direction the negotiation is going to go. <laughs> if, if you want, you know, a deal that's Duchesne for Hannafin, you don't go to Carolina and say, hey, give me Han- Hannafin. <laughs> you say, I want everything on your roster. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want... <laughs> And you worked your way back to the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which turns out to be Hannafin in a second. Yeah. And for some I reason, Slavin, Pesci, Hannafin, Aho, and Juan Gautier, too. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know Ooh. why NHL fans didn't learn this like for good during the last lockout when the uh, when the owners came in and proposed. Well, we're just gonna. <coughs> flip this ratio here, instead of going straight to the 50-58 uh, hockey-related revenue split that everyone knows we're going to, we're going to take fi- like 57% of it ourselves. And we're like, well, obviously you want to meet in the middle. <laughs> like, yeah. but not everyone is so, you want what? For who? Joe's crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I still don't know what the percentages are that he actually does end up trading one of the big guys, but um, you know, it, it, I, I don't think anything I've heard so far has influenced me one way or the other in thinking whether that happens or not. Yeah, not yet. I mean, I ended up answering some questions for our Boston sister site this week, you know, and they kind of asked that question. What are the percentages, uh, percent chance you trade Landy? What's the percent chance to trade Duchesne? And I, I said I'm kind of of the camp. I think it's fairly low <laughs> compared to what's being reported. I think Sackett could be perfectly fine to wait it out until the summertime when, you know, everybody's not clinging to their prospects as they're playing hockey. But, you know, I said five for Duchesne and three for Landeskog. I mean, I, I don't believe that these players are let go for easily at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm opposite of that. I, I'd say Duchesne is probably 75 or 80 percent gone. I don't. I, I don't think Landy's in play. I think Landy's more in play to gin up interest or maybe play some teams off each other. You know, right? Or even generate more phone calls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sell your other assets. Exactly. But um, I, I do tend to think that right now is probably a good time to make a deal for Duchesne rather than the summer. I. I I, I think there will be more Duchesnes out there from other teams to compete for what. Joe might be trying to trade for. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, he's pretty much the only game in town for that kind of guy. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the other argument I made, better, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but you know, I think if he can find what he wants right now, I, I think he, he will pull the trigger. Yeah. I think the other argument I made this week is that we already have the basis, the, the model for which, Joe Sackick wants to make a trade. I mean, we saw it with Ryan O'Reilly, and that's what he's going to be looking to get back. And I, I believe if these teams aren't willing to give up that kind of trade package, I'm not sure that this trade gets made. Maybe. It's, um, I mean, I think that I would s- be nice. Yeah. I, 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 I am personally still on the you don't need to make this trade train, um, but let's... Uh, with, with some of the talks been going around the internet with some of the Landis Cog rumors, with some people even starting to turn on McKinnon, let's explain for the people why Duchesne is the target and not, <laughs> not other forwards on the roster. Who wants to take this one? Well, it's because he's a locker room cancer, and, you know, he's really just not that good. 
Ryan, go. Um, he's older. Yes. His contract's older. Uh, he doesn't have as much term left on his contract, right? Which makes him a more attractive asset for other teams. But the older part is why Colorado would choose him because Matt Duchesne is what now? Twenty six. This is twenty six yep. year old season. Yep. So, how many years does he have left before the offense starts to fall off? I mean, that's different for every player, right. but I think realistically, you've got five more years. But especially as like a speed focused guy, um, right. a, a hands guy, um, who's twenty six. That's kind of where the peak tends to be for most people. It's usually. You usually don't stay at your prime level more than a couple of more years after this. Will the Avalanche be good again while Matt Duchesne is still good is the question. And can I mean, I think the biggest question is can they resign him in two years? And I'd, I'd say they can't. Do you I think hmm. that they won't want to? Or do you think that he won't want to? Or do you think that there's a salary cap spaced? restriction? I just think he'll be too expensive. I mean, what if he wants, I mean, he'll probably want at least five years and, and probably a, a, a little bit of a raise, maybe a little bit more than that of a raise. Seven, seven and a half. Yeah. I mean, start dipping know, into that O'Reilly money. You, do you want to, do you want to spend five by seven for Matt Duchesne from years 27 to 32? Yep. But <laughs> that's just me. I'm a big fan of his game and I, we see glimpse of it, of it every once in a while when you put a decent winger on, right beside him and he has a game like he did against Carolina. And I think he could do that for five more years while the 21-year-olds all get to be 26 themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, you're looking at a contention out, window. Yep. That's, I'm not saying it's out of the question, but it's it, it would be a very large decision to make whether you want to commit to that much time for that much money. Because I don't see the cap going much higher than it is now. I mean... I don't think we get to $80 million in, in the foreseeable future. It's supposed to stay flat next year, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it just goes up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I think, you know, by the time that contract's done, you might be like $78 million for a cap. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's still, you know, that's that's a large chunk of the cap. Um, well, you know, maybe, they don't it, have much to spend it on right now. <laughs> Will they in five years? Maybe. <laughs> uh I don't know. I mean, the Avalanche have some options, I think, for long-term contracts this summer. I'd, I'd love to see Zadorov get a long-term contract now. Yeah, but I mean, if you're his agent, I mean, how long would you go? I mean, it just it, you're coming off your ELC. You got four years to free agency, maybe five. Depend. I, I, I don't know exactly what. Well, know, the Avalanche won't want to go beyond that 26-year-old season. Being no. They'll want another shot at a contract. Yeah, right. I mean, I think, I think three years is probably a sweet spot for his deal. Yeah, you know, I think whatever, right. whatever would be one more year of RFA at the end. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do that, you, you maybe overpay him a little bit. <clears throat> um, overpay him to not buy UFA years. Keep, no, I mean, keep you, RFA you know, open. I mean, he, usually you talk I, about overpaying to a seven or eight year deal right now. Yeah. You know, unless yeah. it's like something dumb, like you know, eight by four years or something like that, mm-hmm. and you're you're really taking a chance. You know, I think you like, are. <laughs> yeah, I think a three-year deal at something like you know three or four 
I mean, still four would be kind of high. Um, you know, that, that could end up screwing you over, but I just, I don't see how either the abs or, or his agent would say, you know, we can, we can get together on a good eight year price right now. Cause he's still definitely growing. Um, yeah, unless the team believes in his development as much as he and his agent do, there's no no way that happens. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if the Avs believe that like 8 by 5 would work, and I think that would be just gross overpayment and a total ripoff, hmm. it might end up looking awesome in three years. I don't know. But I, I just, you it's know, I can't gamble. see either party saying, yeah, this will work for us. There is some value to getting that like 27 year old Jake Muzzin type contract where he's signed for $4 million a year. <laughs> You know, and he's one of the best at his position in the game. I mean, that really helps your salary cap structure down the road. Yeah, I mean, if you can give, let's say you give Z a, a deal, I, I don't know whether it's three or four years, but whatever, whatever gets him to one year away from UFA. Yep. And then you sign him to an EJ deal or mm-hmm. even, you know, a Barry deal. Um, you know, something around there. You know, I think that that's a great deal for everybody. Yeah, I guess the point I was trying to arrive at is that I don't see what the Avalanche could be spending a lot of money on in two two to three years' time. I mean, uh, maybe there's some free agents out there that'll arrive, but it's not next year. And you know what? I still think you got that money for Duchesne. Trade him afterwards if you want. But I have no interest in spending money on free agents that aren't already on your team ever. Yeah, that's usually uh, not the best play. (laughs) Hi, Carl. Um, but Jerome. <laughs> some, sometimes it works out pretty well. Sometimes, other other times you're pl- paying Ryan Suter and Zach Parise until they're in their nineties. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think if you can ne- if you can not pay any UFA more than two years, um, fill out you- your bottom six with UFAs. You know, yeah. don't fill out your top six. Exactly. Yeah. Fill out your replaceable guys. With guys who are replacements. Yeah, I mean, if you need to, if you need to get UFAs for your top six or your, your defense in your top four, then you should probably just wait another year and, and keep developing. You're already in trouble at that point, right? Yeah. Either get them by trade or develop them, and pre- preferably develop them. But I mean, if you've got Johnson, Zadorov, and Barry as your one, two, and three defensemen, you're that's not that bad a shape. Assuming Johnson know, can ever keep a whole season healthy. I was going to say, you have to consider that EJ's only going to pay, you know, he's going to get give you a half a season, three quarters of a season on average. So it's got to keep those tibias in shape. Yeah. And then, you know, Barry, I, I love Barry, but he's he's not able to go up to top pairing minutes consistently. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you still need a strong number four, but I really don't think that's a bad one through three. Yeah, and there there may already be the tools in the system for a strong number four. Who knows? Yep, but the Avalanche have you know what almost twenty million dollars coming off their cap for next year, and you know even considering internal replacements, uh, they just got so much money the next couple of years. Their important players are signed. I'm not sure a salary cap argument for not keeping Duchesne is, you know, something I believe has a ton of validity. It might be. I mean, maybe they have a completely different plan that I'm not aware about. But yeah, I mean, again, they could trade for people, I mean, and, and people could become amazing that we haven't even thought of yet. 
I just I just believe if the if a Matt Duchesne trade doesn't just if you don't knock that trade out of the park, your franchise is gonna just bleed fans even more than it already has. Yep. Because you're taking he is away so well liked. He's a very well liked player, and he's a very exciting player to watch. He's a he's a offensive player on a team that can't score goals. If you trade him for like a defenseman or something like they always are talking about doing, you've made the Avalanche that are boring more boring. <laughs> like, why are people going to come to your games? Especially when two thirds of them are wearing number nine jerseys in the stands. <laughs> I mean, it is a high percentage. <laughs> I mean, that is just a franchise-changing move, and you better be doing it for very, very good reasons. So, um, apart from Duchesne, there's obviously several forwards that we wouldn't mind parting with. Who do you think are the most likely to go? Like Como. Most That's... useful. <laughs> well, That's in theory... Funny. If he didn't have a, if he didn't have another year, I'd say so. I, I think that other year might scare some teams away. Just one more year, though. If it were more than one, I think it'd be scary. <clears throat> I mean, he, he makes two point four. I mean, that's you know, I know it doesn't sound like much when you're tossing around six million dollar type names, but you know, I mean, a lot that, of teams. If 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 they can offload Aginla or Tutin as is, then, I mean, maybe that's a deal they may retain 750000 on. Yeah. Depends on the return. Yeah. I also look at... Como might be good money in the bank for next year's deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, would, would Blake Como be worth more at next year's deadline with a, an expiring contract? I mean, I, I can't see him getting, you know, appreciably worse. You know, he pretty much is what he is. He doesn't... You know, he may not give the the same effort right now that he has in the past, but I mean, he can do the same things. So yeah, because I mean, next uh, next I mean, season he's the definition of a rental. Next, if you if you make the trade this year, you're going yeah, we can use Blake Como this year and next. Yeah, mm-hmm. might be I, some more value there. <clears throat> um, who else? I don't know. I mean, I just Blake Como to me just looks like and is a player. I think that could help a good team. I I could definitely see a team like the Penguins or something trying to get him back because he's proven to be successful there, and uh, I don't think he's enough, too much of an investment for a team like that. Yeah, I think they'd give up like a third rounder or a second rounder for Blake Como. Yeah, he's a guy who doesn't suck. He's just completely disinterested, and that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely being asked to play more of a role than he should when he's on Matt Duchesne's wing. Like, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> a, a team that's going to trade for Blake Como doesn't need a second line winger. <laughs> True. But they might need a veteran third liner. So, Perfect. have at it. So, I mean, I, I, I think he's a pretty good target. I think he's. Uh, just as likely a target as Jerome McGinley, personally. And Jerome McGinley is almost definitely going to go on the morning of March 1st. Yeah, his, his, I guess his agent's going to meet with Sackick this week, and I guess they're going to, you know... I, I know he has uh, he either has to give a list or his agree, agreement to wherever he goes or, or whatever, but I guess Joe is going to talk about who, who has interest at this point and whether that interests Iggy or not. Better... 
This is the sound of me running over to Cap Friendly to see if it lists what his what his no move clause exactly is. Yeah, I'm not. I I don't think it's a modified or anything like that. It just says NMC, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing what it comes down to is Sakic would say, "All right, here's a deal we have in in place. Call your client, let him know, or ask him if he'll waive for it." Yeah. And if it's a team that's in position to make the playoffs, um, I think he'd do it. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't think he'd have any interest in going to just any old team. I think, you know, if he's gonna if he's gonna move, he's gonna want to go someplace where he's got a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. I mean, that's you know, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think he'd like to go to a team that's fairly well entrenched in the playoff position, but mm-hmm. that might not be the case either. It might be more like a Calgary that's kind of on the cusp. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, good luck. It could turn out badly, too, but I'm not sure he's got a lot of time left in this league. So, same. Yeah, a couple weeks, maybe. <laughs> um, um, and the- One name this week for the first time was Mikhail Grigorenko, the teams may hmm. be calling on. Um, interesting. What, what would interesting. you think about that? Like, do you think that, you know, there's something that's magically going to flick on in his head and, and turn him into what we think he could be or, or you know is it time to cut bait i'm i'm through with grigorenko i don't expect him to be any more than he currently is <laughs> i'm in between i, I mean I, I don't think he's gonna flip a switch and like you know jump to the next level or anything but i think he is probably splitting the difference between what he is this year and what he is last year you know something like that and I'm not sure he's expensive enough to where you need to cut bait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's probably a useful player for you for, you know, a three-year deal. I would. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him on an offensive-minded third line with a Matt Nieto and then like a A.J. Greer or a J.T. Collins. Yes, correct. I mean, I just, I, I think I've given up on him being like a top six left wing. Me too. <laughs> on a good team <laughs> on the avalanche right now fine whatever but but if someone was offering something tangible what would be tangible like a draft pick that's you know a top hundred draft pick in this year's draft Maybe <sighs> anything no. from a fourth or a third rounder I, yeah i mm. mean i the don't problem have- is that the Avalanche needs somebody to play NHL hockey next year. <laughs> and I, I think he's at least playing NHL hockey. I, I think there's some value to the immediacy of his ability that needs to be considered. Yeah, I, I, have- I wouldn't mind him sticking around, but if he left, I wouldn't be super bothered either. Yeah, we, we don't have a third-round pick this year, thanks to Eric Jelena. Um, <laughs> Keeps so- getting better. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing if, if someone's offering a third for him. I don't, I think that might be a little high. Uh, hmm. but you know, just looking at the way that the staff is using him, um, I, I just, I don't get the impression that they, they really care if he's around or not either. Yeah. Like to the point where they wouldn't qualify him. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, you, you, you know, if he's there, you keep him. I mean, he's an asset, but right, um, they're not using him like they're, you know, they, they have the full faith and confidence in him to be, you know, a, a big part of the team going forward. I mean, 
Yeah. Uh, well, we need a th- we need a third line left wing tonight, Mikhail. Here you go. I'd almost take another player on an ELC back rather than a draft yeah. pick. I mean that that's another thought. Mm-hmm. Um, like here's a 20 year old and you know playing in your AHL team, your farm system that fits the style we would like to apply to our bottom six. You know that type of trade I'd probably entertain. The third rounder is just such a it doesn't help fast enough, and it's you know like any other third round pick. It's uh, just throwing shit at a wall. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, the fact that we don't we don't have a third round pick. I mean, we need to get you know third we need to get picks. picks somewhere in the second half of the top hundred. Mm-hmm. Somehow, maybe you use your two fourth rounders to get it, but uh, you know. I don't know about that. I mean, the the value of difference between a third and a fourth round pick isn't that big. I I like third round. I, like fourth rounders to me, they're on the they're they're sort of the middle ground between light and shadow. Um, I feel like that line of demarcation starts right around pick seventy five. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, very common. <laughs> Players are. Uh, much better in the third round, aren't they? Too bad our third round pick would be pick number sixty-three right now. Mm. <laughs> the devils are loving that. It's like a high second rounder. But so I mean, even in this year's draft, I mean, I there's there's it's just not very deep. I would rather have two picks between round three and four than one pick between round three and four. Honestly, regardless of where it is. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about. Anyone past the, the first round to really be able to say? Um, yeah, I just uh, you know that's a really kind of a low price for somebody who, who is as young and was drafted as highly as Mikhail Gorgorenko. Yeah, he's and still got that I, pedigree that, that teams like to trade for for some reason. They do, and he's yeah, he not worth that right now. Probably want to trade. <laughs> I, I mean, he's not worth that right now. You'd be selling low on him, and that's uh, not a good strategy either. I mean, I think he's an NHL player next year for the Colorado Avalanche, and he'd be cheap enough and not very long-term commitment. So, wow, well, that's a player you need. What about Big Bad Andy? Well, I mean, God, that's the strangest like trade rumor I've ever heard in my life. Still, right? <laughs> but I mean, he's not signed, you know, through this season. You know, yeah. uh, so why the hell not? Go take a player that I mean, Cody McLeod got traded for the love of God. So, and unlike you know. Grigorenko, he's a UFA. Right, right. So he is yeah. as replaceable as it gets. Exactly. I mean, if if someone offered anything for him, I mean, I like the guy. I, you know, I don't think he plays very well, but you know, I don't hate him. He doesn't make mistakes that make me want to throw things at the wall or anything. He's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. definitely a guy that if you can add anything to your bottom half, just like shotgun blast of draft picks, then go for it. Mm-hmm. He's a guy not... I definitely see more like an, an AHL, you know, B or C prospect for. Right. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's not a bad thing. And clears up Something like a roster. fifth or sixth. We're, we're talking clearing up roster room here between him and Como yeah. and... Somehow, potentially Grigorinko, but probably not. Um, you know anything? So, hey, you, you want to clear some salary here? That's not him, obviously, but um, 
Clearing you know, salary just, at this point, it doesn't really matter. I'm talking about you know, making roster spots that we can watch AJ Greer and JT Comfer play. Well, in the we NHL. do need money to do that since they didn't feel like putting Varley on LTIR when they could have gotten a bunch of money for that. Can't they still do that? <clears throat> like in retro, you'd like the reason it would have worked so well over the All Star break is you had four guys on the injured list, and you could call four guys up from the AHL and then put them on long term. And get the most cap relief. Hmm. Now you have hmm. one guy on the injured list, or you know, Johnson and Varley, but one guy besides Varley on the list. So, Earl, we need you in that front office, man. I don't think I don't, Joe knew about that. I, I don't think he's he was at the All Star break skating around with the top 100 guys, and <laughs> neglecting his duties. But um, you know, there's just they, they do need a little bit of money if they want to call some guys up. Now, hopefully. Even if we retain half on a Gimla, that's still getting rid of 2.75. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. I mean, that's you know, that's three guys almost. It could could be three guys depending on who it is um, that you can call up. But you know, if you want to use, you know, if you want to have your full 27 man roster that you could probably get um, after the the trade deadline, you know, you're going to need a little bit of cap space. Let's run through some of the names that we haven't really... Actually, let's run through all the names, and we'll just kind of do real quick, yes or no, will they still be on the team in the month of March um, before we move on to a couple of other things. Um, So, yes or no, Matt Duchesne? Nope. Yes. My my heart says yes, but my mind says probably not, but I'm hoping for yes. (laughs) How about about Gabe Landeskog? Yes. Yes. It's a unanimous yes. Jerome McGinley is just going to be unanimous no. Nope. Yep. Um, Blake Como. I don't think he is. I think he's your most tradable asset. I, I think he will be. I'm also on team no on this one. John Mitchell. Oh. My heart says no so much. Well, there's a caveat to this one. I mean, what if he's not on the team because you wave him again? (laughs) I mean, uh, if you can't trade him at the deadline, (laughs) maybe you, uh, you know, jettison from the team just to give someone like JT Comfer a chance. This is not a quick answer. I know. Shoot. Okay. (laughs) He will not be on the team. He will be. I know. It's going to be tough. I, I I think they really try hard, but they might not be able to. You think they keep Matt Nieto? But Matt Gosh. Nieto is still on the team, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, if they get a great draft pick for Matt Nieto, then it's the greatest GMing of all time. But <coughs> I, I don't see that happening. I, I think he sticks. What about if we can ever get Rennie Bork healthy? True. Yeah, he's gone. I think he. I think he comes into the lineup maybe tomorrow, but in, sometime this week. The Canadians yep. go. Oh my God! Yes, he's got a French name. <laughs> Get on the telephone. Even though he's from the Western Prairie. Francois Beauchemin. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, I, I think he's a buyout candidate. Uh, Better Tutin. No. Ooh. I almost want to say yes, and not that's not what I want. 
I wouldn't be but, surprised either way, but I think yes. Um, what about... Mm, that's really all that we kind of have left, unless we want to ask about Weirkosh. Which, uh, which he's not going anywhere, I don't think. No. I, I mean, there's interest I mean, there. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I'm not really expecting it. No, I, I'd almost see like a Martinson traded before. Like a Weirkosh. I think Weirkosh they'd like to keep around. Mm. Well, I mean, they could. They could. I mean, uh, even just for expansion draft reasons. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he just... He doesn't seem to have the confidence of the staff right now. True. So we're hoping to see most of these guys not really give us an NHL return because we want to call up from the AHL some imaginary awesomeness, such as... Earl, fill in the blank. Give me, give, give me how many? <laughs> Just start saying names, and then when you feel like you've said too many, you can stop. Well, I mean, obviously, A.J. Greer. Um, you know, the, a lot of this depends on how how many spots they have and how they want to use them, you know, whether they want to give a, a few guys a, a few games or whether they want to just call some guys up and, and play, you know, for first month of next season early. Um, I, I'd start. call up Greer to put on Duchesne's line right now with Rantanen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd say force forward that, that goes, you know, out the door. Um, and, you know, unless it's John Mitchell, um, if John Mitchell goes, I'd say they call Comfer up first. Yeah, um, he's he's just getting solid and solid and solid. I mean, he he's getting some crap duty lately, dragging around bad veterans and stuff like that. Getting him practiced up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't. I'd almost think maybe more than Greer, they want to get a look at him since he hasn't been up yet. So, mm -hmm. um, but those two definitely would be guys they want to bring up. Um, Good lord! As far as defense, that you know, like if they trade Toots, who would they bring up? That's toughy. Um, yeah, go go find the the gif of this uh, Dustin Bufflin assist. He doesn't need two hands on a stick, apparently. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> um, with the the defenseman they want to call up, it, it's a toughy because. You know, recently we heard JB say Bigra and Lindholm instead of Siemens. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that hence Cole's question to the BSN podcast the other day, which was, does Joe Sackick remember Duncan Siemens is on his roster? <laughs> Siemens is the hardest working man in show business right now because he's paired with Jelena. <laughs> uh, right. So maybe, you know, maybe that's preparing him for playing with uh, Golibuff or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, Lindholm has been more and more impressive as the the years gone on. He's you know he's just very solid. He's not you know he's not spectacular in any way. Um, but he'll you know he'll play as much as you put him out there and be fine. He, he can take punishment and abuse. Um, he's smart, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the call ups on D. Uh, but you know it, it'll it'll be out of those three for sure. I don't think Jelena has any prayer of ever seeing an Avalanche uniform again. Right. Um, as far as other forwards, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I'd love to see Rocco get a real shot for more than one period. You know, you know, he's got twenty goals 
that's a lot of goals in the AHL. I don't care if you're five six or what. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's a skilled scorer, and he could add things to to the Avs. I want my own Arvidsson. You know, like I, I just yeah. want one of those on my team. So, exactly. Rocco, go be that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I don't see any way that he couldn't add. Um, you know, there's there's the Gabe Bork conundrum whether they're interested in bringing him back. If they are, maybe he gets some time. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Felix Gerard, the guy that we got for for Cody. Um, you know, he's also a center who would probably be right behind Comfer if they needed another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those could be your three and four centers next year. I mean, there's a shot. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I I think the guys earned you know at least some consideration for a call up, and they've kind of. They kind of need to make a decision on him. He's got an expiring ELC. Mm. Uh, so it would be kind of nice to know what you got there. Um, also, Troy Burke has been playing really well lately. Um, you know, he's, he's really been having a good season. He's developed more this season than he has you know, since he arrived with the Avs. So he'd be sort of a dark horse for me to, to come up and maybe play a little. He can, he can kill penalties. He's solid defensively. And now he's starting to show a little offense. So there's, you know, there, there's plenty to choose from down there. They could get rid of half the team and, and fill it up and be okay. <laughs> and probably not any worse off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds like the plan to me. Yeah. Um. So before we look at um, leaving for the day, um, we do need to mention, of course, that this week Alex Tangay officially retired from the National Hockey League. So it's a Former everybody, but he spent a lot of time here in Colorado. He was uh, scored two goals in the Cup final in 2001 um, in the deciding in game. game. Um, a favorite, uh, a favorite among amongst or amongst a lot of fans. Um, even though the end of his tenure with Colorado was a little bit uh, disappointing. Yeah. But now you think stepped about right it, into a. Hmm? There's two guys that have uh, cup-winning goals for the Avalanche, and you know none of the none of the big names have one. It's Yui Krupp and Alex Tange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, uh, stepped right into a commentator role too. I mean, NHL Network, is that right? Yeah. No, and, I, uh, I, good for him, man. I mean, it's a really enjoyable hockey personality. So I'm glad he gets to remain with us, even if it's talking out of his mouth instead of with a hockey stick. Yeah, I'd love to see him as an analyst on, on some of the NBCSN games. I mean, if we have to endure their, their poor streams and everything like that, it'd be nice to have tanks in the booth. Yeah. How about uh, like a Peter McNabb replacement? <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't, don't put tanks in state media. Let him talk. Right. <laughs> yeah, 81 points in 81 games with Calgary in the 06-07 season. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, the only, that's the only time he had 80 points, but he did hit 50 assists with Colorado twice. And then Lifetime shooting percentage do. over 35%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't he have a career shooting percentage of like 18? 18. That's 18. so unreal. 18.6. Yeah. yeah, that's been ah. in territory there. Can we give him some like shooting lessons for Nathan McKinnon, maybe? Well, that begins with stop taking every shot. Yeah. That's the problem. (laughs) 
He had, let's see, where's my rates? It's more choosiness than accuracy with him. Yeah, I've lost the rate stats on hockey reference. This is not nice. Either way, just rub the juju off, you know? Let's get some of that, like, double-digit shooting percentage. I think he would be a horrible influence on Miko. (laughs) Right? Yeah, he he ended his career with 1.4 shots per game. Oof. Not much. Yeah, because I mean, last year Miko was, you know, just from his shot stats in the AHL, he was he was reminding me a little bit of Pangs because he was up in the high twenties for a lot of the year. Right, we're starting to finally, thankfully, see that he's got one of the better shots on the team. I think he's starting to realize it too. So, please shoot more, Miko. Please. He's got a really good shot. Yeah, that game winner was fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. on the move too. You know, it's off the back foot. I mean, uh, yeah. really good pass too. I mean, <laughs> one timer in transition. I mean, that's just you know. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> well, plus he's aiming it too. He wasn't just firing on net. I mean, he was going far side with that. Yeah. So shout out I mean, to, he's to, on... uh, to Alex Tangay and. Uh, good luck, Tang. Good luck in at NHL Network. Hopefully, it'll be the start of a another long and successful and happy career for the dude do we want to do uh stars and scratches or do you want to skip that because we're running a little bit lengthy yeah um let's just give a shout out to the goaltending this week that was been much better than it has been especially jeremy smith yep yeah but even calvin pickard had a pretty you know decent game against uh carolina yep and Buffalo, too. I mean, three goals yeah, right. in two nights isn't bad at all. Not, definitely not. But, but still, Jeremy Smith came in in his NHL debut and immediately became the, lead, the team's leader in save percentage. So, there you go. And he'll probably stay there for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> like Sam Henley's shooting percentage. Yep. Right. So, should we look at next week? Let's do it. Let's do look it. at next week. On Tuesday, the Kings come to Denver for a 7 o'clock game on Altitude. Then on Thursday, Colorado travels to Nashville for a 6 o'clock start versus the Predators on Altitude 2, the Ocho. And finally on Saturday, the Buffalo Sabres pay us a return visit for what's, for some reason, an 8 o'clock mountain start on Altitude. O'Reilly can't get out of bed, man. Yeah. Always waiting on that guy. Party, party, party. <laughs> He's got to hit up his favorite Lodo bars again. Right. <laughs> Putter around town on his fucking Vespa. <laughs> Me. Um, Do you still have a top knot? <laughs> I can't tell. Okay, I'm going to be stupid optimistic again and say we get two wins. I think we beat the Kings and the Sabres. Ooh. I can you know what? easily see the team coming out salty against the Sabres after Leonard's quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder that game. Hopefully they're aware of it. Can we ensure that somehow? <laughs> I don't know how any coach doesn't find locker room material like that. Like, you know it's there. We're playing yeah. a real team. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think they got a shot against Tampa, too. I mean, I think that's a team they could body up pretty well against. Um, I mean, that might be more of like a 4-3 like overtime game, but I think they can win that. But uh, give me four points this week. I think they lose to the Kings. Even though the Tampa game will be over by the time anyone hears this, I think that could be a, a 
two teams that are pretty much a mess. So we could win six five. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, this would be goals. Does Jeremy Smith get a start this week? Ooh. Um. Gosh. He has to. I I'd say if you don't play Smith tomorrow, you're 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 doing picks a disservice. I mean, he was really awesome both games and back to back there. But I mean, we we've seen it time and time again this season. If you play him too much, it just bad things happen. Right, yeah. and Jeremy Smith hasn't given you a reason not to give him a shot for one game against the Lightning. Yeah, you, you can't play any goaltender three times in four days. Just, yeah. You can't. You couldn't play Miku Kiprasov three times in four games. Well, if you're going to play him on Sunday, chances are you're going to say, hell, let's play him on Tuesday too. And that'd be a <laughs> lot of games. <laughs> yeah. So, Just side note here, Jack Campbell um, has played 31 straight games as a goalie, obviously, for the Kings farm team in Ontario. And that's in the AHL where it's like three and threes half the time. <laughs> Has anyone checked Jack Campbell for bionic joints? <laughs> should, should we Not bring yet. in the dogs and see if he's a Terminator? <laughs> um but yeah, I think I, I think Smitty playing tomorrow makes so much sense. I you know I hope this I hope it happens. Yeah, I mean uh, obviously we're not going to get a practice report, but we might see it in the morning skate. But we'll find out then. They don't skate in the morning either. Hmm. <clears throat> and who can blame them? They've been they they played three games in four nights to, to end off a five game road trip on the other side of the country and just flew home. So right. Yeah. I mean, luckily they're flying east to west, so they got home pretty early. I don't know this morning, um, so they should be well rested tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I think we're all in agreement. Just play Smith tomorrow. Play Smith tomorrow. Hopefully, get a win and a half, if not two wins, this week because you really need to win a home game at some point. They just won two. Well, they need to win another one. They yeah, have, they have a lot of home losses to make up for right now. Uh, you can say that again. They have a whole yeah, lot of home losses to make up for right now. Got to keep your fans in the stands, man. Got to, yeah. got to feed them a bone every once in a while. You got salaries to pay, dude. Yeah, if you're not calling up interesting players, you may as well win a game. So I think that's it. At any rate, um, whatever comes up next, next week, whatever comes up next week. Uh, you know, you can find out here. Um, we may be a day delayed on the show next week. I've got some uh, other commitments going on next week. I'm going to be all over the central plains. Um, but whatever happens next week, you know, you can eventually find out here. Um, keep up with the show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash podcast. And we are always in your iTunes feed. We're always in your RSS feed. And we always post the website at mahayaki.com where you get the latest apps, news, and updates. And you can follow there at Facebook, um, facebook.com slash mahayaki, or on Twitter at milehighhockey. So until we're at you again, keep your eye on the puck, keep your ear to the trade rumors. Don't RT unverified accounts because they're fake and they're lying to you. And we will see you next week.
Man, I'm going through some hero charts, man. Headman is like a lot better than I thought he'd be. Who am I thinking of that fell off? It was Ekblad or something, but... Yeah, Ekblad's the one that's more mediocre than I thought he would be. He's 38 years old. What do you expect? (laughs) (laughs) He's been in the league forever. Dropping off. He was born in the NHL. That must have been awkward. (laughs) Here's your son, Mrs. Ekblad. He is 25 years old. (laughs) 